and welcome to episode 605 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing good. I feel the score's tied, Joe. That's all I'm going to say. All right, good. And uh, the episode title's going to make not a lick of sense to anyone, so... Right. That's all right. Uh, hey, let's get right into it. It's going to be a busy show. No time for chit-chat up front, huh? Right. It's going to be a short show. Good to go. Right. Uh, so we have uh, the passing of yet another comic book legend. Uh, this one less out of nowhere, but still, you know, stinks just as much. Um, I, I would say um, I'll take credit for um, a high selling image title that's coming out this month. Mm -hmm. Directly this podcast. Uh, we'll be discussing the controversy or maybe lack thereof. Of the casting of the latest Doctor on the Doctor Who television show. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about CGC's latest opportunity. Oof. And I don't mean that in the fun way that Jeff and Conrad talk about it. I mean it in the, uh, you know, the way we talk about it. Right. Uh, what we read this week, uh, which includes One Star Squadron number six, the finale, and Little Monsters number three. Uh, a butt-ton of conventions happening this weekend. Uh, the results and next matchup for the Silver Standard pitting the uh, Rogues Galleries of the Flash and the... Or, sorry, Flash is the number one. Spider-Man and Batman against each other. Too late to start again. <laughs> um, and discussion of, spoiler-filled, of course, the season finale of Moon Knight. And Doctor Strange 2. I know it has a different name, but it's Doctor Strange 2 in my notes, so that's what I'm calling it. Right. Don't push your luck at this point with the show. So. Nope. 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 <laughs> as, no, as long as no one goes off the rails completely and starts swearing, I think we're good. Right. Who'd do that? But anyway. Right. I agree. Uh, so, uh, as mentioned, I kind of sort of had a feeling it was coming. Uh, obviously, it happened much sooner than later. Uh, but George Perez passed away this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, I know there was a post on social media that his wife had put out maybe late Thursday, early Friday, um, essentially just saying that, like, like not announcing his passing, but essentially saying that George is at peace, um, you know, he's not with anyone, so on and so forth, um, and it just, I, I don't want to, I hate to say that it felt ominous, right? Right. But it just felt like. This is our, our notice that the end is coming, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, and it was sad because, you know, it happened. And then I saw a lot of the, you know, the tributes and everything to him. And that, which is all great. But it made me sadder every time I saw a tribute. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it'd be like, here's, you know, George's artwork. Or here's a picture of me with George. Or here's this and that and George was amazing and I'm like yes he was and this one like when Neil Adams passed away which like was only a week ago which blows my mind um you know I was like okay I like Neil Adams blah 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 I don't know there was just something about George Perez's artwork that I equate to like m my entire life of collecting comics he's drawn everything and I knew it was coming but this one it kind of kind of hurts a lot like and it made it makes me sad every time I think about it but you know at least he's at peace yeah, um, I think there was supposed to be, um, you know, one more appearance. And I think they did announce, and we'll, we'll get into it, right? 
Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this this was the uh, thing. It was uh, on. It was late uh, Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. It just said, "Presently, George is home and resting comfortably. He is not in any pain." There are no visitors or calls at this time. He is sleeping most of the time and very much at peace. Right. Which, and like you know. when right when I saw that on Friday, I'm like, okay, they're 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 preparing, you know. Yep. And I hate to be morbid about this sort of stuff, and I hate to like you know whatever, but you know it is what it is. It's something that we kind of you know because they were nice enough to kind of share this with us. Um, that we were kind of along for the ride. And as I mentioned, you know, share with us, they're going to be doing uh, his memorial service, um, not this weekend, but next weekend at MegaCon in Orlando. Right. And they're making it open to everyone. So, you know, obviously he lived a public life and I guess he he dies a public life, you know, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. And one would have to assume that this was, um, you know, as part of his wishes, you know? Yep. Yep. But I, but I'm with you, you know, an iconic artist, you know, we've talked before about how you look at uh, a lot of the, the multimedia stuff on the DC side, you know, Uh, when you would see an image of a seventies or eighties looking DC character, if it wasn't Jose Jose Garcia Lopez, it was Neil Adams, right? Mm-hmm. Where Marvel didn't play as close to that, where they went with like one house style for everyone and a lot of their multimedia releasing of stuff. You know, you'd have your certain X-Men type folks and then you have your certain Avengers types folks and everything like that. At least when it comes to George Perez and who I most closely associate him with, even though he did a lot of stuff at DC... Um, I closely associate him with the Avengers. Okay. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were pointing this out and kind of pointing the strengths um, of George Perez out. And I, I forget who posted it. it. You know, a lot of stuff was going on this weekend with the George Perez stuff. And their whole thing was you could tell how good of an artist George Perez was because he would draw a scene of Hawkeye and Captain America out of their costumes, two blonde, wo- blonde haired white guys mm-hmm. having a conversation, and you knew who was who. Yeah, yeah. I just told- by the just by the way he drew their faces, just the way that he drew their body language, just the way that he drew the way they interacted with each other, you knew who they were. Yep. Yeah, like Cap, th- go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. To say like Cap might be more barrel chested, where Adam or uh, uh, Hawkeye might be like you know more lanky kind of a thing. It was it was easy to see, but even like even just more of like a like a posture sort of thing, you know, like a more mm-hmm. of a commanding posture out of Captain America and more of a challenging posture out of Hawkeye. I agree, um, but I think most anyone is going to know just because of the success of the Marvel movies when they did the infinity war stuff, he did that infamous cover for the first, uh, infinity gauntlet book. And that image was put on tons of stuff over the yep. last like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, now conversely to me, the part the thing that I will always, uh, you know, equate him with is teen Titans. 
Um, it's not, you know, as, as, as big as Infinity Gauntlet because of what came later. But, man, between him and Wolfman laying down, like, just made the Teen Titans cool. And then not only created, like, helped create uh, Raven, Cyborg, uh, Starfire. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of great characters. And the same thing. And with where you're talking about uh, seeing Captain America and Hawkeye out of costume, I'll never forget for the first time reading Titans and George Price was drawing it. And seeing Dick Grayson as Robin. But he was the first time I ever saw somebody draw Dick Grayson looking 19 years old in the Robin costume. And it looked not ridiculous, but so ill-fitting. And then that's when he was like, this isn't me anymore. And he became Nightwing. And I'm like, man, just without making it look ridiculous, he made it look just that little bit. You know what I mean? Like something's off. And then it it, it worked totally. That's like you said, how good he was. For sure. Um, but I, so I wasn't reading uh, Teen Titans at the time. So maybe that's why it doesn't resonate the same way with me. Mm-hmm. Um but if you were to make me choose a DC project that I associate with George Perez, it's very much the Titans. You know, just that stuff kind of became iconic years later mm-hmm. to, in my purview because I didn't catch it until years after it was published, you know? I'm with you. And then he did Crisis at DC. So between some of Infinity Gauntlet and Crisis and doing the Avengers and then JLA versus Avengers, man, who didn't he draw? Right. Uh, it's tough to say, you know, um, I'm sure someone out there has, you know, and I'm sure there's, you know, your one-off characters or your, whoever they are, but when it comes to like an A, a B, a C, and I'll even go with D lister on either company, he's drawn them all. Right. And, or if you ask them to do it, he would do the perfect version of them. Right. Um, and, and, you know, obviously George Perez doing the Mark Wade Avengers run for the Heroes Return stuff is oh, what the I Kurt Busiek, yes, Mark Wade did the Captain America stuff. My apologies, no problem. Um, but that is kind of like what I most closely associate. Like his, like those are the Avengers. When I close my eyes and picture the Avengers, yeah, it's the George Perez Avengers from those issues, and they looked so good. Yes. Uh, so again, if you're in the Orlando area, uh, don't be a schnur. Uh, but you know, check out the uh, George Perez Memorial Service if you're in the Greater Orlando area next weekend. You know, mm-hmm. that's all. Pay your respects in a respectful way. Uh, so moving along, uh, a few weeks ago, Todd, we had, and it doesn't happen very often. Uh, special guest on the show, uh, Kyle <laughs> Stark, someone who we've been a fan of his work for a very long time. Right. Anytime any of his books come out, we always discuss them here on the show, whether it had been um, Rock Candy Mountain, Assassination Nation, um, Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, uh, which is available in trade currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but the early numbers on this book um, having it at a 30,000 number, which, you know, in today's market for an indie book is huge. Yep. And I will absolutely 100% take credit for having him on the show. Definitely not because he's been doing more press for this book than 
press for all of his other books combined. It was mm-hmm. definitely his appearance here. Right. And I know we did like a little bit of a tease for it. The book comes out next week. Uh, if you did not hit the final order cutoff, um, you know, we'll remind you next week, go to your local store, buy this book. Um, you know, we'll be doing kind of uh, a little bit more of a spoilery filled talk of it next week, maybe for like preview review. So it gets pulled from our, what we're most looking forward to coming out this week, mm-hmm. especially since both of us read it. Yeah. Um, I will say this, uh, I will be comparing cause the copy that we got a month ago, uh, Kyle informed me that there may be some changes between like what you're seeing here and what gets printed. Right. So it'll be interesting to see if and what gets changed between what we got a month plus ago and what hits the shelves next week. Yep. Should be an interesting look. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, it's awesome to see, um, you know, hard work payoff, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. He really beat feet on this one, really got out there to a whole bunch of different media outlets. And uh, hopefully this just leads to bigger and be- better things uh, for Kyle Starks and uh, his whole crew. I'm pretty sure we could take credit for at least eight of those sales. At least. At least. Yeah. Uh, so there was also, uh, over the weekend, the announcement of a new Doctor in the upcoming season of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And this is where I turn everything over to Todd because, you know, it's Doctor Who. Yep. Uh, they announced when later this year, uh, the Doctor Who will be, uh, uh, Jodie Whittaker will be regenerating and they didn't know who the actor was going to be. So they ended up over the weekend announcing that the new actor was going to be, and the name is spelled, just so you know, Joe, N-C-U-T-I, uh, G-A, the last name is G-A-T-W-A. Do you want to take a, a shot at how that's pronounced? Absolutely not. I figured his name is pronounced Shuti Gatwa. So I guess that's his Shuti name. That's my oh joke, boy. Joe. Yep. Um, but no, um, and he's going to be the first uh, black actor to play uh, the doctor. Um, he's not the first uh, black Time Lord. And uh, we've actually seen uh, a white Time Lord regenerate into a black one. So they, they ended up like setting that up a few years ago. But uh, I find, you know, I don't, I never really cared. I wasn't mad when Jody got uh, picked as, as the doctor. I'm like, all I want, and we've always said this on the show, is I just want what I like to be good. Um, so we'll see. Um, but the sad thing was I did not think Jody's run was that great, even though she did a heck of a job. She put her all into it. Um, I just have a feeling that at some point, uh, when the guy who came, who rebooted the show in the two thousands, he's coming back. I do believe he's got the magic touch again, and he's going to bring it back to, to, you know, the heights again, that I feel that people are going to go like, look, we can never be a woman again because, it like it went to the lowest it's ever been, and look, you got a man, and it's and it's you know having ratings again, ratings again. So I'm interested to see, but uh, uh, I also see that there are some people who don't like the uh, the decision to make this actor. But I and you know they're very vocal about certain things, so I don't know. But like I said, I just want Doctor Who to be good. Right. So uh, you know, obviously, I am not the Doctor Who person that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you go back and listen to me when we, um, um, talked about these episodes of Doctor Who, I would say for the most part, I enjoyed them. 
there was a couple episodes that of uh, the current Doctor. Mm-hmm. More of just because, you know, there were plot contrivances or plot points that just kind of sort of came out of nowhere. Right. There's other stuff, too. Um, and again, I guess my question would be is, is this new person who's taking over the role, are they a good actor? Is there something that I would know them in? Because I know... Um, more times than not, they take someone who is a relative unknown, and I say relative, right? Right. But, um, I know Capaldi was in a bunch of stuff before he was the doctor, and I remember at the time they were saying that was a risk, because it's like, oh, well, we we already know him from X, so now, like, this guy that's already been established on this other show as this other character, I'm not gonna know if I could accept him as the doctor, um, I will say this. I, I, I don't know who Shuti is. I've never seen him in anything. Um, people said that he was in a show called uh, Sex Education over there. That was really good. Um, so I don't I don't know. But my take on, on this, and I, and I had this discussion with somebody, is since the reboot, let's not talk about, like, the classic Doctor. You know what I mean? 2005. The only two doctors that I recognized before they were the doctor, when they announced Chris Eccle- Christopher Eccleston was going to be the ninth doctor starting the series over again, I was like, okay, I recognize this guy. He was in Gone in 60 Seconds, and he was in 28 Days Later. So I, I knew who he was. Then after that, Tenet took over, had no idea who he was. Matt Smith came along after that. I had no idea who that was. Um, Capaldi shows up. People knew who he was, I guess. Apparently, he was in he was in a bigger British TV show over there, um, where he was like a cousin and, and it was political and stuff like that, um, a, a comedy kind of like Veep, uh, but a British version. And they said they knew him, but I had never seen him. And the risk I think was bigger because he was that you know callous character and that he was older they're like is there an older doctor going to be able to do all the running and the jumping and the flipping and stuff like that um and then he left and uh jo- uh jody showed up and i only had seen her on a couple of things with the guy who was taking over so like out of them all i only knew one or two it's i think it's better to have an unknown who can act. And as long as you're a good casting director or showrunner, you kind of know. And Russell picked like three of them who were really good. So I, I'm going to hope that he does it. And then the only other one that I didn't know, he only did a one-off was John Hurt as the war doctor. I don't know if you know this, John Hurt's a pretty good actor. So I didn't, he didn't have to worry about him. Yeah. But I don't know if that answers your question. So. It does. I just hope they bring back Eric Roberts as the one and true master. Now, in my joking of all this, um, Todd, I'm upset with you that you did not let me know, like, two years ago, they did a series of radio dramas. Okay. Uh, further expanding the Eric Roberts master character, officially sanctioned by the BBC. Yes. Uh, I didn't know if you'd want to, you know, delve into those, Joe. Well, again, Eric Roberts is the one true master. Of course I would. <laughs> Okay, I can see about getting those for you, so... I don't try too hard. I mean, um... Listen, <laughs> if, he, if he ever does an autograph box set, you know what you're getting for Christmas now that you have all your preacher absolutes. That's right. I'll take it. 
I'll, I'll, I, you know, at least, at, you know what? And that's the thing. At least you'll have a good story to tell because uh, I understand Eric Roberts is a party guy. Oh, is he the parties are? No, he, uh, well, he does know where the parties are, but uh, he also knows where the authorities are as well. So well, it's always good to know where they are at all times. Yes. So, hey, last but not least, Todd, mm-hmm. ready for the playback? If you're an expert in VHS tapes, CGC wants to hear from you. Uh, CGC wants to hear from and potentially, potentially hire top VHS experts for a new division dedicated to the professional authentication, grading, and encapsulation of VHS tapes. Well-preserved VHS tapes are becoming an increasingly collectible as nostalgia for the media that revolutionized at-home watching continues to grow. Children of the 80s and 90s are now collectors, and the clunky cool VHS tape stands out as an icon of the lasting of the last analog era before cell phones, social media, and streaming. Wasn't Be- there DVDs okay. in there? No. Okay. Being part of the launch of the new CGC division of VHS tapes is an incredible... They don't say it, do they? Opportunity oh, there's for that the word world's again. top experts to help build a new grading service in a hot collectible category backed by a company and leadership team that has a proven track record in opportunities. That part I added. Right. Well, it ain't wrong. <laughs> so they go on that v- what VHS experts should demonstrate. Um. So... This, uh, of course, CGC is getting involved in this, which also means that all the other folks are going to get involved in this as well, right? Right. Now, is CGC doing the video games currently, right? I don't know. Because there's a company that does the video games called Wata. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with the guy that sold uh, Anakin Skywalker to Qui-Gon Jinn. Right, so that, is that officially WADA opportunity? Yes. Okay. So they, WADA, are currently involved in a class action lawsuit uh, involving them kind of attempting to fix and skew the grading numbers and make sure that the higher ended up graded games, uh, they do video games, get into the hands of friends and family of employees. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, you may have sent in what they grade as a 9.6, but your 9.6 goes to someone they know. And they have, like, a paper trail of proving this sort of thing. Um, Haven't you ever heard of the word coincidence, Joe? I've heard a lot of words when it comes to grading uh, materials like this. So this ends up being a weird situation only because... um, I think most VHS collectors... Um, I would like to think the ones that I know aren't doing it for the money. A lot of them do it because they have some sort of emotional attachment. That's how everything with any sort of collecting starts with, you know, whether you're like recreating like your blockbuster wall or Mm -hmm. you're recreating that, like you want all the whatevers, right? Yeah. And more times than not, that stuff's not sealed. 
you're just getting like a VHS copy. Now you're going to run into sealed VH copies of stuff starting from 89 when they started doing the price to sell through edition of Batman from all those years ago. And I even remember years and years ago where we were led to believe that the, uh, the Disney movies that were in like the big giant oversell clamshell cases Mm -hmm. that with the advent of DVD and early days of Netflix, that those were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and they aren't people would just say they were, but I never saw people selling them. And like eBay didn't reflect this, but people still believe that these things cost money. But the problem is a lot of these VHS tapes already cost or already worth a lot of money just because of the rarity, just because of none of them are sealed prior to a certain date. And obviously these are things that were more than likely played ad nauseum. So now are you getting into a grading system that like, are we grading the box and it doesn't matter what the VHS inside of it is, or are we grading it as a box? And does this VHS tape actually work? Right. Because if you come with the sealed one, how do you take it out to check? Well, that so, okay. So that's the gimmick with the video game ones. There's a ton of sealed video game ones. And, you know, obviously there was a, a period of time where stuff could be resealed and this stuff that's being graded could have been resealed. We don't know, but you're not grading what's inside, which very well could be a broken, corroded piece of plastic. You're grading a box and the plastic around the box. Right. I, I don't know. I think it like it's wacky. I understand you can grade anything. Um, I'm looking forward to my new laser disc, disc gradings uh, company. But no, it's just I, I get you because then, like you said, the, I remember when the boxes used to just have the tape in them, and then they had a piece of tape on the bottom so it wouldn't slide out, and that's yeah. how they sold them. So I don't know. It's all it's all crazy. That being said, I am sending my unforgiven copy that's still <laughs> in the plastics into uh, CGC. I will. Well, listen, I do have a case of sealed uh, VHSs of Navy SEALs for reasons that I might be sending out to go get graded. Oh, I think uh, I know what opportunity you're working on. Right. Opportunity stacked upon opportunity. It's an opportunity opportunity. Um, So now do you have any of those tapes that you were trading, you know, those wrestling t- tapes that, that you can have send off to CGC Joe or so. And like I said, so it gets into like such a weird slippery slope because a lot of the VHS tapes that I was trading back in the day were me trading my like third or fourth generation VHS dub of something off TV for somebody else's third or fourth generation dub of something off TV. But then you get into situations of like, well, what were you taping and when? Because you might have market specific promos that are a little bit more difficult to come by, Mm -hmm. but nobody's paying money for those. Now, conversely, uh, there's a, a wrestling company ring of honor that did VHS and even DVD. And a lot of their stuff fell out of print and even their VHSs which were essentially just like printed in a sketchy guy's basement. Those, you know, if you have the quote unquote originals and they weren't sealed in plastic, it was just like, I'm printing out a paper sleeve or, or a cardboard sleeve. I'm folding it up. I'm putting a VHS in there and I'm selling it at the shows. 
those are worth hundreds of thousands, of, like hundreds of dollars, not thousands of dollars, but hundreds of dollars, just because there's so few of them left and the company stopped making them. But that's but, a much smaller market. Mm-hmm. And how do you grade something like that? I don't think you can. You know what I mean? But right. No, did it have a sticker on it or something that they printed up? Or so they had. Oh, so they had a sticker that the the VHS had a copyright protection on them. Ugh. And I'll say this, you know, not that I know, but if you had like an old timey like shoulder camcorder that took regular VHS tapes, mm-hmm. there was something about those that bypassed the copy protection. Okay. Or so I hear. I'm not sure. I don't know. Right. Right, right. You, you know, you, I'm you're just asking questions, right? Uh, right. I'm a just asking questions guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, just CGC up to their latest tricks. Um, and I definitely feel as though this is a reaction to whatever the class action lawsuit against Wata is. Right. That they were getting their video game grading thing ready to go. And then all of a sudden this happened and they're like, Oh, boy, what's close to a video game? A uh, VHS tape. Let's do those instead. Right, right. But DVDs are coming soon, man. If VHSs are now, we're 10 years away from DVDs. So I have no doubt. And then that one gets even sketchier because most of that stuff could be, you know, burned. You know what I mean? And then they would print out the, like, out, like you had the bootlegs of the, the movies at shows. And D- D- DVDs are even easier. But... Well, so right, so there's a lot more. There's a lot more involved, uh, but I, there is your more big ticket items, and I, this is just something that I know because this is the thing that I get. Like I was getting for the longest time the VHS uh, or the VHS, the DVD releases The Simpsons, right? Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point where they were releasing them on their schedule, and then they jumped ahead to like season twenty. So so it like came out right when season 20 finished. They had season 20 on the shelves of the DVD, right? Mm -hmm. And then they took a big break in between. And then the episodes came out on a, like the seasons came out on a much slower chain. And it was just filling in um, like between 14 and 20. And they stopped, right? So there was a time recently, and I say recently, let, let's say within the last like six months, where they were like super expensive, those DVD sets. And The Simpsons mm. would always do like different things with the boxes or different things with the DVDs themselves or different things with like the inserts and everything else like that so that they were like more difficult to duplicate, right? Right. And there was a time where each of these seasons were like 150 to 200 dollars a clip, right? Now the prices have come down, but just six months ago they were like 100, 150 bucks a season, right? But once you're able to CGC them, they'll go up. Well, right. So that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And then I have a question because the Doctor Who ones, the original format that they were before the Blu-rays, now they put a whole season on a Blu-ray. Like, of the classic runs, you know what I mean? It's like, here's a Blu-ray box set, maybe two DVDs. And it would have, like, the whole, the, the fourth Doctor's, the 20th season. Like, all, you know, 20 or 24 uh, half-hour episodes. But back in, in the original one, they would just put all, like, one storyline, which would be two to four to six episodes. It'd be like, that's on one DVD. And they put them out. And then after a while, they're like, oh, I, I know a lot of these in this look. 
Uh, you can't get them anymore. So we're going to print them to order any of them that you want. Like if you if you miss this doctor like uh, classic episode, you can get them. Now are those going to be second prints and third prints? And there's just so many questions, Joe. So right. many questions. And you get the uh, a couple years back, uh, Warner Brothers had the Warner Archive stuff where it wasn't it was stuff that they had in their library, but did not necessitate them putting out like a full retail run of this, but you could do like essentially print to order DVDs of these things. Right. And they would have like, you know, dedicated DVD covers and dedicated menus and dedicated inserts and dedicated boxes. But like, you could still just get them today. You know, Mm -hmm. if you contact through the Warner archive and you pay whatever their price is, you could just get, you know, uh, the entire collection of Thunder the Barbarian on DVD. Right. So, so who knows? It's uh, you know, just like I said, CGC up to their old tricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving along, a uh, bunch of conventions this weekend. Uh, two relatively close to each other in Virginia. Uh, there's the Tidewater Comic Con in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, not as many comic book folks, but uh, Brandon Routh, John Wesley Ship. And uh, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, Herm, Sassafras are going to be there. Okay. Uh, Then in Roanoke, Virginia, at the Big Lick Comic Con, that's going to be your more um, comic book folks, Jim Shooter, Larry Hama, Bart Sears, Rags Morales, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. If anybody sees Larry Hama, go ask him to draw you uh, 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 the Colonel. What was the name of the leader from uh, G.I. Joe, the evil... Cobra Commander. Cobra Commander. I couldn't think of it. He will not draw Cobra Commander. Does not matter about how much money you throw at him. Really? Does not like it. There are certain G.I. Joe, and he designed a ton of them. There are certain ones. He's like, I will not draw. Cobra Commander's way up on that list. Well sought after Larry Hama sketch is that character. I've never heard that one before. We've talked about him being um, at conventions many times. Yep, that popped up because recently in one of the art opportunity Facebook groups that I'm in, mm. the guy the guy was just and I knew it. It was a fact that was in my brain, but Larry Hama would pop up, and you know I I never thought of mentioning it. And then one day he's like, uh, he's like uh, this guy's like I'm going to this con. Larry Hama's there. If he's not busy, I'm opening up you know opportunities to get you sketches that you normally can't get. I'll buy them. And send them off. And he has a track record of doing this. So it's not like he just decided to do it. So you wouldn't be afraid. You know, he does goods and services, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, start throwing out at me, like, what characters you'd want. And claim them in this in the, the Facebook comments. And everybody's like, Cobra Commander, Cobra Commander, Cobra Commander, Cobra Commander. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the uh, edited uh, Facebook post. And it was about two hours later. He's like, well, everybody... He's like, there are certain characters Larry Hama won't do. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get him to do as many Cobra Commander different or, uh, different G.I. Joe characters that I can get. And then you could claim them all later in the group. I'm like, yeah, I knew because everybody was begging for a Cobra Commander. I would ask for Zartan, but that's just me. I would ask for uh, Duke, so he's okay. I want Duke with a snake through his chest, please. <laughs> right. And then one where he's okay. And one where he's okay. 
Um, no, it would be it, the drawing would be Duke with the snake through his chest, him whimpering, "Yo, Joe," which was his last words. Right. And then, and then a word balloon of someone off camera saying, "Hey, everybody, Duke's gonna be okay." Right. Uh, so uh, also, Fan Expo is in St. Louis, Missouri this weekend. Uh, no, uh, Frank Miller, but uh, William Shatner, um, Michael Rooker, uh, Michael Rosenbaum, the Clerks Three crew is going to be there. So I got to take the Navy SEALs opportunity elsewhere. Jay Lee, Tony Harris, Peter Tomasi, that sort of thing. Right. Frank Miller is there because he just signed that exclusive. Oh, okay. Oh, was it a fr- fan expo? It is, but I said Frank Miller isn't there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Which is surprising because he just signed that big exclusive. Gotcha. My bad. And last but not least, and I say, well, I would say this is the biggie uh, Motor City Comic Con in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, on the uh, comic book side of things, you got Katie Cook, Mike McCone, Robert Venditti, Simon Bisley, William Messner Lowe's, uh, Jimmy Pemiotti, and Amanda Connor. Uh, media guest side, uh, you've got Katie Lotes from mm-hmm. The Legends of Tomorrow. You can go commiserate with her and ask her to rate your wigs. Yep. Ooh, uh, ooh there's a. A grading thing I want to do. Right. Uh, Christopher Eccleson, uh, Danny Trejo, Freddie Stroma, uh, Vigilante from the uh, Peacemaker TV show. Right. And then from the world of sports and entertainment, uh, MJF is going to be there. Don't know who that is. Ruby Soho is going to be there. I know who that is. Adam Cole and his baby are going to be there. Okay. Um, and this is this is kind of like six of one, half a dozen the other. Freddie Prince Jr. is going to be there. Okay. Because uh, last week on Twitter, he had stated that he plans to open up a, a wrestling promotion in the next eighteen months. Uh, but this one, this this is a big one for me. Um, Ethan Page is going to be there okay. as one of the featured folks that you could meet. That's cool. And uh, I've known Ethan Page for a long time. I've known him, and I consider him a really good friend. And I know he's a big comic book guy. Uh, So for him to be one of the featured folks that you can get to meet at the comic book convention, uh, you know, alongside, like, all these other big-name folks, uh, you know, I'm sure he's he's got a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, what would you say, like... uh, bucket list thing maybe right but uh i'm super proud of my friend that he gets to like have this sort of thing happen for him you know that is kind of cool i was hoping that uh when uh if freddie prince jr is going that he would go get his ultimates uh signed by freddie prince jr do you remember that in the remember that original run with written drawn by brian hitch and all that stuff when uh that that started the hulk wanted to kill freddie prince jr Yes. So I that's what I would do. I would totally get my uh, ultimate signed by him. That's a good one. So if you're going to that convention, uh, go get that issue of Ultimates and uh, see if Freddie Prinz will sign it and try to squeeze some information out of him about the uh, wrestling promotion as well. Yep. Uh, so this is getting truncated. Soon to be named network.com. Soon to be named network.tumblr.com. 
uh akira tetsuo your mom you know all the shows uh <laughs> anytime they go live you could find them over at soon to be named network.com uh soon to be named network.tumblr.com anytime anyone from those shows appear on other shows and they let me know they will appear there as well so you'll never miss a moment in the soon to be named network universe uh check out these websites as well kevin hellion's mass library.com uh rick williams the chop shop jason sandberg's jupiter chris runt's battle monsters those last two are comic books you could probably contact those guys and get copies of them reach out to our comic book shop comics on the green their facebook presence is where he does a lot of his announcements business reminders about new stuff coming out so you don't miss out on pre-orders of stuff if you don't have a comic book shop in your area or a good comic book shop in your area let our shop be your shop Get your subscription stuff sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a very good chance that you might get a sketch on those books uh, or on the uh, package from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her process, uh, sketches, commissions, prints, and otherwise over at her social media. And all of this stuff is linked up into the show notes of every single one of these episodes. Yep. That's the fastest plug segment that we've done so far. Let's get into what we've read from this past week, Todd. I'm going to start with the book we were both looking forward to most, which is One Star Squadron, written by Mark Russell, art by Steve Lieber, um, the final issue in the six-part run. Um, after the falling apart of uh, the business, uh, Heroes Are Us, uh, it is Red Tornado, like, you know, thinking about everything that's happened over the past couple of issues what's having happened to gangbusters that he was helping him out and his fate and uh and it's time has passed and he's he's thinking about all the people that have worked under him like a good boss would and he goes to see if they're all right at this point um and also to get information about uh the Minuteman to see what's become of if anybody knows what's become of him after the fallout of last issue and he goes and he, he makes amends with some characters some characters he just talks to and then he ends up you know getting information about uh Minuteman from him he's like what's happened to him and in the end it kind of he because he's asking himself the whole time do I deserve to still call myself a hero because kind of what I've done certain decisions I've made to help out a friend who may not have made the right decisions um, for a very funny book. Uh, this took like a deep introspective turn, which was kind of weird, but it's still, it, it like really worked. Um, the only thing that I will say is I don't feel that he's definitely, even though this seems like an ending, I don't think Mark Russell's done with this story for various reasons. Now, nothing has been officially announced. Right. And there's nothing at the end of this issue that says all your favorites will return in X. Right. Um, but I did like that we did get some codas of all these characters. Um, I did like, you know, some characters that may not have been acting like themselves in this book. Mm -hmm. And we talked before, you know, when you take characters like gangbuster or the heckler or red tornado even right mm -hmm. and you put them in a book like this which is technically a humor book and you play with them a bit it's okay because one they're not appearing in anything else currently and two sadly to them no one cares uh but when you take a character like power girl and you do such a thing with her like they did 
Right. Um, I think Mark Russell had no choice but to kind of put her back to where she was before the series started. Mm -hmm. And I think in these books that Mark Russell has done, that's the first time that they've ever done that. Where they've taken a little bit more of a high-profile character, and we could argue about what sort of profile Power Girl is. But, you know, she's technically Superman's cousin. Um, you know, she's probably the most high-profile character in the book. Mm-hmm. And to do such an about-face with their character in the book that they... I, I feel as though this was... Under normal circumstance, I'd be like, oh, you just kind of undid this character's motivations character growth whatever but i think a character like power girl you had to set her back to square one when this story ended right but i feel like yeah because they did establish that the book that she read changed her she wasn't like this before so yeah she reverts back but i, I get what you're saying I get yeah what you're saying. um but you know what you said of course about how this being a humor book but taking on like a lot of serious stuff especially when it comes to superheroing stuff my favorite part of this book, and then here we are at the end of the you know at the end of the series, and again, no spoilers. You should certainly check this book out when the trade comes out if you're you know physical media person like us. Um, and again, I don't want to give everything away, but you know you could figure it out. Mm-hmm. Is the stuff with Red Tornado and the windmills? Right. I thought that stuff was great, and I thought that really put into perspective. Um, you know, a lot of like just what this book is, uh, comic book superhero stuff in general, and just um, doing good in general. I agree. My 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 take on why I think there's going to be more is because there was a lot of unanswered questions about Gangbuster. Okay. Because earlier on in the series, regardless, I won't get into too much like Gangbuster's arc, but because he's kind of you know messed up. And Red Tornado takes him home. He's like, this is the last known address for Gangbuster. And they knock on the door and somebody answers and says, no, 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 I don't know who this. And he, they use this shoot name and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know who it is. And so he's like, ah, my, my mistake for, you know, bothering you. And he leaves. And when they shut the door, there's like all these press clippings of Gangbuster on the wall. And that's never brought up again, like why the, these people that didn't want him anymore and wouldn't acknowledge him. Obviously, he's a bit crazy. I think there's a story to be told of Red Tornado finding this the gangbusters family. You know what I mean? So I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'm hoping, but you never know. Right. I, I'd love to see more of this side of the DC universe explored, you know? Yeah, and I do love the shade of red they use for Red Tornado. It pops so hard. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it's more of a maroon, but I get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like I said, this was a fun little series. Uh, you know, I really enjoy a lot of the stuff that Mark Russell does. And uh, I'd love to see him and Steve Lieber team up on something again, just because whenever I see Steve Lieber's art, it makes me feel like uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Right. Uh, so the other book that we read this past week was Little Monsters Number 3, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Nguyen. Um, we are in a post-apocalyptic world where there doesn't appear to be many humans, if at all, uh, out there. And there is a group of children that are vampires. 
Uh, we're three issues in. It's on the cover of issue three. I feel comfortable in saying, hey, this is what the book's about. Mm-hmm. And when we last left our heroes in the previous issue, they found a body, a human body. And uh, Billy uh, drank some of the blood. He goes back to the rest of his group um, to just say, hey, this is what I found. I saved enough. There's enough for all of us. Some of them believe him. Some of them don't. And obviously this is there to show that this group of survivors still have this dissension and just kind of builds like if and when the split comes and there is going to be a split, you know, whose allegiances are going to go where. And then we had the cliffhanger at the end of issue two, which got, I'll, I'll say this stupid me, the cliffhanger got me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as one of the other characters, Romy, who we learn is a deaf mute apparently, or at least a mute, right? Um, interacts with another human who is looking for her father. And how and why these stories are going to intertwine is going to be very interesting. Um, this is probably, and I said this before, and, you know, it's obviously a very dark subject because it's children and they're vampires and there's killing and so forth. Um, but this is a very beautiful book, a great use of colors or lack thereof by Dustin Nguyen, but this is probably the lightest Jeff Lemire book around um, in that it is what it is. It, it's exactly what it is on the page. Um, it's all text. There's very little subtext mm-hmm. in this. A lot of times Jeff Lemire stuff is like, well, I'm telling a story about this, but really it's about right. the, like, it's, it's, this is a, this is my way of explaining to the proletariat movement in the two, in the twenties, you know, no, I get um, it. It is a very straightforward book. Very, and again, I hate to say by the numbers, because I think that's an insult to the creators, but it's very straightforward. There's no, you know, secret meanings behind everything yet. Right. I'm sure by the time this story's over, we're going to find out about it was all a parable about families and togetherness. And like your family is what you make of it, not who your actual parents are and all this other stuff. Uh, but right now, I like the straightforwardness of this title. Sometimes you just need something that you could just sit down, go through, and not have to sit here and like, what did he mean by that? Right. Uh, I think your family is what you stake of it if you're a vampire, Joe. Oh, boy. But, uh, no, I'm with you. This is very easy. And I think this is very light dialogue for a Jeff Lemire book. Yeah, and he does let uh, Dustin Win do a lot of the heavy lifting with the art, man, and it works. Like I, there is little bits, like when anybody asks Romy, like "What are you?" and like he'll just do the, like the the lip lift so you can see the fang, and and not like in no way do I ever feel that Romy is menacing compared to the other little monsters. Yeah, so like he does a great job of like Romy's like. It is what it is, man, a fang. You know what I mean? Like, I'm showing you. Where, where the other ones now, especially once they've had the blood, it's like, ooh, there's a change. So, um, and you could see it in the way, like, Dustin draws them before and after the human blood, if you know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, honestly, like, their eyes change, too. It's like, so it's really good. And I'm a big fan of Dustin Wynn and uh, especially Jeff Lemire together. And I'm wondering if as this book goes on, maybe we'll get more color at some point. But right now it's just black and white and the blood is red. I, 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 they had a little bit with Romy was doing his art. I have a feeling by the end of this book, it's going to be full color. <laughs> I don't know why. 
I, I, that's a good theory. Uh, I know I had mentioned that my thought on this is um, that this is kind of capitalizing on, but not outright saying like all these black, white, and red books that are out now. Mm-hmm. Instead of putting it on the cover, they're letting you kind of discover it for yourself. Right. Yeah. So that's what we read this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is, you get your books before worn, before armed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is in the lead over me with five correct guesses. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, Looking at your list. Captain America symbol of truth. That's the new ongoing Sam Wilson. What have you, right? Yes. Who's the creative team on that? Do I know who the creative team on that is? No, you don't. And I don't know either. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I am, however, going to guess that the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Hulk versus Thor Banner War Alpha, number one. It is that book, Joe. Um, oh. The reason I'm getting the Captain America book is is one of the few times uh, I buy something for a variant cover. This is going to have a Latveria uh, uh, truth or something. There's something with the cover where it's basically a Latvian propaganda cover. So I'm like, oh, I'll buy that and then I'll read it. And if I enjoy it, I'll keep going. Um, but definitely, and I know you're like me when you have two books that have uh, uh, the same writer and then they cross over, it feels more natural than when you're two different writers are forced to do it. So that's why I chose it. And that's why I think uh, it's the same book for you. Uh, the Hulk versus Thor Banner of War Alpha? Yes. Yeah, it is the same book. Gotcha. So uh, just going back to the uh, Captain America symbol of truth thing, the Latveria um, propaganda gimmick, right? Mm-hmm. Is that just a special variant cover for this particular book? Or is this like there's several books this month at Marvel that are having this Latveria propaganda whatever? Um. It is a one-off because uh, uh, the other there are other books this month that have they're calling it the Stormbreaker variant. I don't know why. Okay. And I saw there was a tweet that came out like a month and a half ago. Like these are the four Stormbreaker uh, variants for the various four books, and I was like, don't care, don't care. Ooh, don't care, right? So I was like, I want that one. Um, and there's rumors that Doom is going to show up in the book, so we'll see. But yeah, I don't know why or how with that cover. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, or the current taking the place of Todd and Joe have issues for 2022, which is the Silver Standard, ranking who is going to be the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. We know The Flash is number one. 
Is Batman number two or is Spider-Man number two? We're leaving that up to you, the fans, to vote. Todd and I have picked uh, the bottom of the bottoms of their respective rogues galleries. Spider-Man for me, Batman for Todd. And uh, again, you, I think if the worst of your worst wins, then that means your best of the best wins is the thought yeah. process. I just think it's fun talking about like old, goofy, bad uh, villains. I kind of rationalize it as you're only as strong as your weakest link. There you go. So, uh, you know, and we're trying to figure out our weakest links, if you will, Joe. For sure. So uh, I won this time. Uh, Manslaughter Marsdale moves on to the next round, defeating Mirror Man. Um, I think I made a much better uh, argument last week as to why not to vote for Mirror Man as opposed to why to vote for uh, Manslaughter Marsdale. I'd like to file a grievance if I could and pull a, a card out of your other co-host thing. Oh, and how come it, how come when it's, uh, you're, you're winning, you don't ask for, you don't ask, you know, you don't do a retweet, but when you're losing, you, you do a retweet. Uh, so are your fingers broken? Um, I, no, I'm just doing what you do because then you'll say I'm, I'm fudging the numbers. I know how you are. No, no. Um, if you listen to uh, at all, or yeah, if you listen to After Dark this week, you'll know why I didn't get a chance to put a uh, tweet out just because I've been very busy with a variety of things, not mm -hmm. uh, limited to, but not uh, including super secret science stuff. And I plum forgot. It's almost like I'm doing a bit, Joe. Oh, okay. Well, you never know what you. Do you want me to ring a bell when I do a bit? Yes, please okay. ring a bell when you're ding, doing a bit. Ding, ding. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the next matchup. Uh, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, I'm probably going to be real short. So would you like me to go first? Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay, the character I've picked, the villain, the rogue, if you will, is that legendary Batman rogue that we all know and love, Colonel Blimp. Yes, that's right. You heard me. Colonel Blimp. For the most part, he only shows up in a rare, as far as I'm concerned, Batman detective comic crossover where the story started in one and ended in the other where he has this dirigible and apparently he has you know an uh, an army that fights alongside aside him in these blimps these dirigibles and it starts out that he his plan is to steal various battleships and submarines and then ransom them to the government and uh, through a series of events, Batman ends up fighting him a few times. And along the way, I think Jerry Conway wrote these. And somebody gave Jerry Conway a book about blimps before he wrote this story. Because Wikipedia wasn't around back then. Because these stories are just filled with blimp information it's like oh these weights that we use to tether the blimp are called these and this is a thing that we use on this blimp and all the inf all this blimp information that he it's a fountain of blimp information joe <laughs> and then like he fights them and we find out that his whole plan oh the other bit of information is that blimp hangers are so big that they have their own weather apparently because batman asks, why is it raining in this blimp hanger when he fights colonel blimp and he's like oh because of because of the height of the blimp. I'm like, this is just stupid. Um, he ends up, uh, Batman finds the, the soldiers from the ships that he has kidnapped and gets them. And we find out that the, the whole thing behind Colonel Blimp's thing is not just the $10 million for the ships, is that his father 
in World War II or whatever, because this is the 80s, was a blimp commander, and he had all these plans for blimps, but the budget was cut, and they took it all away from him, and he was never the same again. So a sad little boy uh, decided to get vengeance against all the people in, in Washington who had ruined his dad, and the $10 million is just the icing on the cake, uh, the blimp cake, apparently, um, for this. And, uh, yeah, Batman just knocks him out. And he has a wonderful, I want to say pink blimp uniform with a embroidered blimp on the shirt. It's just fantastic. Colonel Blimp, I mean, when you're a joke in a Simpsons cartoon where Mr. Burns is like, oh, I have a button in case of blimp attack, that's how stupid you are. Blimp attacks, Joe. Blimp attacks. Colonel Blimp, that's my case. I, I at first thought you were saying that it was Colonel Clink, and I'd be like, okay, I'm on board with this. No. Colonel Blimp. Okay. So, uh, mine. Okay. Uh, he had only three appearances, and it was a three-issue crossover in <laughs> Sensational Spider-Man uh, back in, I don't know, the late 90s, early 2000s, let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a Savage Land character Ooh. He's the protector Of the fall people At the Savage Land He's on a power level Of that with the Hulk He's over 25 feet tall He weighs 8 tons And his name Todd Is Chitlock But that's not his full name Todd his fine his full name is Chitlock the Chicken Cow because Ooh. he has the upper body of a chicken and the lower body of a cow. Mmm, two kinds of meat. I'm done. I don't know what else I could say. Uh, I'm look I'm looking forward to seeing how you're gonna fit all that in the choice thing. Because you don't get to put it in the tweet. You have to put it in the in the I think if I just put Chiatok, mm -hmm. we'll see. Um, let me test it right now to see if I could do a poll. Right. Your Chiatok poll. And get his full name in there. Oh, you sweet uh, Chiatok. I, I am one character. Uh, I got one character to spare to put pit his, uh, to fit his full name in there. Ah, I'm going to say you're such a sweet Chiatoker, Joe. Uh-huh. So, yeah, listen, a 25 foot tall half chicken, half cow from the Savage Land that fought Spider-Man and only had essentially one appearance in a three-issue crossover. Uh, I don't think it gets better than that. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for a blimp, Colonel Blimp Chiatocker crossover. Uh-huh. I think he's got a better chance of teaming up with Colonel Clink. <laughs> God. Did you know they had a radio in the in the coffee pot? They did? <laughs> Anyway, uh, so the post and the voting will go up tomorrow. Uh, Todd will ring a bell, so I remind myself to remind him to do another push mm -hmm. for the voting. I'm sure if Todd tweeted that out, I would have remembered. But anyway, uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, you can go to our store. We can buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them directly from us. You can head over to our Tee Public store. And get in 
designs inspired by this show, Long Wax Heroes After Dark, add-ons with wrestling, final wrestling place, and hit my music. Uh, on anything from cell phone covers to notebooks, the 35% uh, off sale is going on now until Sunday. So now is the time. Uh, I hear that uh, T Public might be raising their prices on shirts. So, you know, maybe get those orders in before that rolls through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also sign up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month is going to get you two bonus shows from Todd and myself. Uh, one, Piro Mounties, looking at the films of independent filmmaker Mark Piro, uh, most notably known for the USA Up All Night classic, a Polish vampire in Burbank. Uh, we're also doing the ongoing series of previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago that month's previews catalog. Uh, we just recorded May 1992 this past weekend. Uh, you can look at the full previews catalogs for all of 91, all of 92 up to date. I'm going to get there back eventually to get 90 up there. Some of those are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, all of that for as little as a dollar a month, five bucks a month is going to get you all that stuff early. Uh, two weeks before everyone else, and it also get you after dark two days before everyone else, so you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. You could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through. It's the banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody purchased uh, volumes 7 and 8 of the current ongoing Transformers books over at IDW. Somebody purchased the latest digital issues of Star Wars and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hey, with the recent full-fledged merger between Comixology and Amazon, if you do get digital books and you do purchase them directly through Comixology, there's a way that you can do that through our Amazon click-through. I'm not sure how to do it, but somebody's doing it. People are doing it. I'm sure it's easy to figure out. That's above mm-hmm. my pay grade. <laughs> uh, somebody also purchased Chef's Fridges. More than 35 world-renowned cooks reveal what they eat at home. Food. They eat food. It'd be awesome if it was just like uh, Hungry Man Dinners. <laughs> uh, oh, I would be great if it was Lunchables. Yes, yes, stuff like that. And then uh, somebody purchased the King Comb de-shedding tool, top and undercoat, self-clean, retractable blades, three metal de-shedding edges, rubber bristles for grooming, large. Ooh, a, for a large head? I Well, again, I think these are for animals. Oh, okay. Uh, I think this is like, I've been, so this came up in the Amazon purchases this week. And a lot of my targeted ads on social media have all been about the stuff for, like, grooming your animal and not having them run away and trying to maul you. Ah, so it could be for grooming you then, too. Well, that was going to be my first joke, is that I bought this for myself. But, again, Mm. we can't purchase through the Amazon affiliate link. It stops you. It doesn't let you. Right. Uh, But again, thank you to anyone who has and does make their Amazon purchases through our affiliate link, whether it be this week, this month, this year, or forever. Um, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did not. Well, then, I guess that just leaves spoiler-filled discussion of the season finale of Moon Knight. 
and Doctor Strange 2, which, again, has a real title, but it's Doctor Strange 2. Mm -hmm. Where would you like to begin? I guess we could start with uh, Moon Knigget. All right. Moon Knight, season finale. Um, so we kind of get the reveal where Layla finds Mark's body. He's been shot. Mm-hmm. And the last part of the last, like, episode or two beforehand have all been, like, with Mark laying in a pool of water. Right. Uh, so now with Mark dead, clearly, and uh, uh, Harrow ready to complete his uh, plan, uh, he goes off and doesn't notice Layla very clearly and very loudly, like, choking and punching people mm-hmm. while she follows them. There's even a part where, like, she bops a guy, Haro turns, and it's just like, nah, never mind. Let's just keep going on with her plan. Uh, he could have ended Layla right then and there, and this would have been a much shorter episode. <laughs> right, right. And then even further still, in uh, of a typical villain hubris, the scarab that they use to find whatever it is, he just leaves it there on Mark's dead body. It's like... Yeah, there's nobody following me. There wasn't definitely somebody else who was part of this crew that was after me. Um, I'll just leave this thing that they could use to follow me on the corpse of my rival. And that definitely won't result in my downfall. Right, that golden scarab, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I would have kept that as a token of, uh, like, uh, like a memory of this uh, this adventure that we've been on, you know? Right, a memento for a, a yeah. chachi. Um, so as Layla is following, uh, Harrow throughout all of this, uh, Tewert is attempting to talk to her through some of the dead folks as they come to a roadblock. Um, and he, he essentially says, uh, like to his followers, like, like he get, he does like his whole whammy on all of them. And there's only one guy who survives. Right. Right. So all those guys are all dead and laid out and everything. And Tewert is attempting to talk to Layla through all of this, mm-hmm. essentially like saying like, hey, I know you thought that Mark or Mark was protecting you from Kanchu because Kanchu uh, wanted you as his avatar. But no, you should be my avatar. That'll be fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then when Harrow um, summons whatever the thing is, I forget. It's like a crocodile looking thing. Right. Um, she, the crocodile looking thing, tells Harrow that his scales are not in balance. And it's not for all the horrible things that he's done. It's for something that he's going to do in the future. But she's going to let him live because he's the one who summoned her. Right? Right. Uh, so during all of this, um, Mark is in the spirit realm with Tewert. Um, he gets like a moment of conscience, essentially saying like, no, we can't leave Steven back there. I need to go and save him. Um, as he's also about to turn into part of the sand, their hands come together and it kind of fuses their hearts together so that now they're one. Yep. Now they're complete and now their scales are balanced. Now they can go through the doors and now they can go and stop, uh, Harrow also, Mark had the uh, little statuette thing of Khonshu, which Layla gets and breaks to free Khonshu. 
We get the big battle between Khonshu and the Alligator Lady. We get a more imbalanced battle of Mark and Steven as Moon Knight, uh, taking on Harrow and his minions as they are attempting just to uh, free as many souls as they can to power their god. And uh, Layla finally relents and becomes the avatar of uh, Tawert, and I think her design looks really cool. And she gets to do a bunch of awesome stuff in the uh, superhero-y outfits. Right, and apparently um, she's the Golden Scarab. Yes, the, there so. you go, the Golden Scarab, sure. Uh, so there's a part where uh, they have uh, Harrow dead to rights, ready to go. Uh, Mark relents. He's not going to kill Harrow at this point. He enters the fugue state yet again. And someone has killed Harrow, and it wasn't, or at least incapacitated to a permanent end. Uh, and it wasn't Mark, and it wasn't Stephen. So mm-hmm. this is like our reveal that yes, there is a third person in there, and that is our post-credit sequence as well. Right. Um, yeah, because he ends up killing a bunch of the, I guess, sideways guys, but he won't kill because he makes a deal with Conchu. He says, "Listen." Me and Steven, we do this one job for you, and you let us both go. And Contra goes, I let you two go? Okay, I'm in. Which is way too easy of a deal. But then the whole deal is uh, they have to stop the thing, but they, they're they like, now you have to kill. Like, we put the alligator god in Harrow, and you kill Harrow, and the alligator god's gone. And he's like, I won't do it. So that's when Jake, uh, the new, the third person, Jake Lockley, kills him in the car. And I'm like, okay, this all comes around. Um, it was a fun episode. I really liked the God battle. It reminded me of a, a Keiju battle, like Godzilla and everything. And the shots of them in the sky while the small people were fighting, thought that all looked really cool. But in the end, I really didn't care much about this because, you know, they left us hanging with the third character and what's going on. And it's like, we don't know where we're going to go with more Moon Knight. We don't know if we're going to do a TV show or if it's going to be in a movie. I'm like... Too many questions, not enough answers, and I don't know where to get them next, if that makes any sense. At least with Loki, they're like, Loki season two will da-da-da, you know what I mean? So, Or in the Cap uh, Winter Soldier one, Falco one, they're like, Captain America 4 is coming. With Moon Knight, it's like, Moon Knight, we don't know if we did well enough to get another season, movie, whatever. I did not like the way it ended. No? No, I thought it was all right, all around. This is like the weakest of the shows, my least favorite um, we'll see how I do with Ms. Marvel. Uh, so, like I said, I like this just fine. Um, but the whole time I was watching this, I was thinking that this could have worked better as a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. But I'm not an editor, and I'm not sure how you would fix this into a two-hour, six-minute narrative. Yeah. He gets bit by the radioactive moon, and he saves the day. That's your movie. You're off to the races, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're shortening up stuff um, on like the 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 river of reeds. You're shortening up stuff in the the asylum. You're shortening up stuff early on at the museum. Um, I think it could be done, but I definitely think that if this was as opposed to a six episode series. If they this was like the first 
full length Marvel movie that was on Disney Plus only. Mm -hmm. I also wonder too if people like me and you, I don't know about you, but me, I won't speak for you. I'm I'm pre programmed to find certain characters uninteresting, if that makes any sense. Um, like it's like, okay, I'm a Captain America guy. I'm like, I grew up with all these. So Moon Knight, I didn't really read Ms. Marvel. Like, I don't know if I'm predisposed to think that I don't like these characters. I'm, I'm more than open to giving them a try if that makes any sense. But you know what I mean? It's like, I'd rather blah, 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 like these. And if they were truly interesting to me, I would have found them a long time ago, if that makes any sense. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. And I think where I go here is that the most interesting stuff that uh, I found from Moon Knight was out of the more recent Jeff Lemire and Warren mm-hmm. Ellisy stuff. And that was, you know, until the Jeff Lemire stuff kind of started to wrap up, that was very far removed from what we got in the TV show. Right. I did kind of like it more when we got to the asylum. So, but whatever, you know, hopefully we'll get more Moon Knight somewhere. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if and where he pops up again. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen, I won't watch the trailer for uh, Miss Marvel, the Kamala Khan version. Um, just like I said, I don't know when that one shows up, what date that is. But, you know, I got to put it on the list now. If it's not it's our, oh, June, it's, uh, June 8th. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, again, looking forward to that because that, I feel, is going to be your either planting the seeds or that's going to be the one that wraps up with like all these characters come together and they're going to return in the young Avengers Disney plus show. Could be, could be. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Speaking of Disney plus young Avengers and things of that nature, uh, let's get into Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Ooh, you said the full name. Well, I pulled up the, uh, Wikipedia. Uh, gotcha. uh, IMDB or whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, I will preface this um, by saying the only thing I saw of this movie prior to seeing the movie itself was the Super Bowl ad, right? Yep. And that gave away too much information, but not enough information that when it was revealed in the movie that Wanda, Scarlet Witch, was the villain, I was shocked. I thought this was a team-up movie. You know what, Joe? Me too. Yes. When I saw this, I was like, when you get the reveal, I'm like, oh, so we're going to do that cliche, they fight and then team up? No. Yep. No, 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 no. no, no. So the plot of this movie uh, essentially is uh, Dr. Strange, or we see uh, America Chavez with a different universe's Dr. Strange. Uh, they are trying to go and get the book of Vishanti. Yep. Which uh, is, that's your real MacGuffin because the way they explained it in the movie is, uh, it's like, yeah, it just does the thing that needs to be done, right? Yep. Whatever the thing that needs to be done, it just does it, okay? Right, it gives you the power spell you need. Yeah, it just gives you that spell. So uh, as they are attempting to get it and all the different monsters and creatures and so forth are trying to stop them, uh, that iteration that universe's doctor strange attempts to sacrifice america chavez he fails america chavez gets away she has the power to be able to travel through the multiverses but she does not know how to control her powers which surprise shock at the end of the movie she does 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they come to our 616 that we learn. It's the 616 Marvel mm-hmm. Universe. I think e- we do that. Even though it's not, because the 616 is the comic world, Joe. Well, this is the comics, right? No, this burns me. This is this should have been a different number. All right. But anyway, go ahead. So uh, Doctor Strange uh, has to leave uh, his girlfriend's wedding. No, right. He's getting, she's getting married to someone else. And I feel bad because... Of all the things, as Rachel McAdams, is that the girl? Yep, Rachel McAdams. Okay, so of all the things that I remember from uh, the first Doctor Strange movie, uh, this was the person or thing that I did not remember at all. Okay. And because it just had, like, I I get what they were trying to do to give Doctor... Like, if I have to point to a thing that I like the least in this movie, it was the love story. Mm-hmm. And I get why it was in there because we later find out that like no matter what multiverse it is, their relationship just never works because Doctor Strange Steven is always going to have to be Steven. He's got to hold the knife, Joe. Got to hold the knife. Um, so I'm going to try to be as not disjointed with this as best as I possibly can, but I think it's too late. Uh, so. Uh, Dr. Strange saves America Chavez from not Shumagorath, who I thought would play a bigger part in the movie, but I understand why he didn't. He wasn't the villain. (laughs) He wasn't the villain. Dr. Strange is like, who knows more about this stuff than I do? Oh, I know Wanda. So he goes to Wanda and it's a nice field with all these like beautiful apple blossoms and everything else like this. Uh, But this in and of itself is a phony reality because Wanda has now been possessed by the Darkhold which is the evil version of the Book of Vishanti. And we also learn that uh, when you dream in the Marvel Universe, that's just you having visions of another you in one of the other uh, dimensions. Okay, can I say this? Because right here is early on, we get to see Wanda with her kids, and we find out that she's dreaming. Yes. And I will give this, I will give that hack Sam Raimi credit. What? Um, I know I'm 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 busting now. The scene where she's having a good time with her kids and it has that music and it's this and that and then she wakes up and and I think we've all done this. We've all had a good dream and we've w- woke up and we just hated the world we've you know awakened to if that makes any sense. The way he does that is absolutely amazing. It goes from this like joyous her with her kids to this to like no music no sound, just like an empty feeling. And I'm like, oh boy. And then like, I, as we'll get further, do they put, do they put uh, the Scarlet Witch through the ringer with like emotion? Uh, but yeah, I just love that scene. I wanted to mention. Right. And again, I don't get bothered or offended or taken aback by your remarks about Sam Raimi not being a good filmmaker because it, I, you're, you're either lying or wrong. Right, you know who take you know who take all the offenses, DJ. Every other person that we share mutual friendships with, mm-hmm. like there's sometimes like before about your whole thing about the tweet that I'm like, is Todd joking or not? But this one, like, I get you're doing a bit, but it's a bit that has no effect on me because it's a it's a bit that's like so far removed from reality, you know. But I'm not ringing a bell, Joe. Yeah, a- listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this real quick. I do not hate Sam Raimi. But I neither do love Sam Raimi. I've seen his bits. His thing is 
it it all works the same. It, he does all the same shots. He uses it for Spider-Man Two. He that he used in Evil Dead Three. He, he has the he uses it in some of this where the camera like looks like it's pecking at an actor's face. It all works in this movie. But after a while, I'm like, I, I, I'm I'm bored with this stuff. And but I will say this: this was the least. I thought this movie was going to be way, way more campy. Than it is after they like, skidded into like Ragnarok and yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, where they're like they want that feel of a movie where it's jovial and and funny and whatever. I thought they were going to give Sam Raimi notes like give us more of that, give us more e- e- uh, Evil Dead Three Army of Darkness, and I did not get it, and I was very very surprised. I thought we were going to get more the jazz scene out of Spider Man Three, so I didn't think we were going to get. Um, funny or quirky or whatever we got out of Taika Waititi's uh, Thor, I felt as though, so first of all, I didn't know what we were going to get because mm-hmm. I avoided everything that I possibly could about this. Mm-hmm. But what we got was a mix of everything. Um, the camera stuff that you mentioned, those are called uh, director call by, uh, director trademarks, mm-hmm. which is, I think, which is so different for us seeing movies today. And I say the royal us, whether it be people of your age or my age or younger or younger or younger, just because movies of the last, like, for the most part, and again, I don't want to say this for everyone, but movies for the most part, and again, we watch a lot of the Marvel movies, you don't get to see a lot of a director's style in a movie, right? Yep. Um, the last couple Marvel movies, they've taken people like your Taika Waititi's and the guy who did the most recent Spider-Mans and stuff like that. People who did smaller movies or people who did like movies that got critical acclaim. This director had a definitive style and they had this director now come in and make your Marvel movie and keep your style out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. We go back all the way to Simon Pegg going off of Ant-Man because he wanted to make a Simon Pegg movie. And they wanted him to make a Marvel movie. It wasn't Simon Pegg. He was the actor. You're thinking of, I can't think. Of, he he directed. You, uh, you you know who I mean? Who does the stuff with Simon Pegg? Right, right. Isn't his name right? Uh, Edgar Wright. That's who yes. it was. Okay, My, no, I got yeah. confused. I was just making sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm in this. But you know where I was going. I gotcha. He wanted to make his movie. They wanted him to make a Marvel movie. They butted heads. <laughs> this was Sam Raimi making a Sam Raimi movie. In the Marvel universe, right? And um, you know, I, I talked to a bunch of people afterwards, and a lot of people were like, "Oh my God, this was like so Sam Raimi." I feel it wasn't Sam Raimi enough. Um, I think it was just enough Sam Raimi, right? And I and I don't mean that. I'm not trying to be insulting. I thought it did a great job. This was the closest you're going to get to a horror movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, and and at times it was very. Scary, like neck snapping and people falling on fences and uh, injury to the eye. Well, one big eye anyway, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So the last couple of weeks when we were watching Moon Knight, we both remarked of saying like, yeah, like for a Disney Plus show, this is like a little bit more graphic, a little bit more violent, a little bit more scary than the usual fare. Mm-hmm. And I know for the longest time there had been people that it said, like, why doesn't Marvel make an R-rated movie? Right. And the reason that Marvel doesn't make an R-rated movie is hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. 
because whether you whether you believe it or not, if you look at the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time and compare it to the highest grossing PG-13 rated movie of all time, there is hundreds of millions of dollars are different. That's just the way that this is. When did movies become a business? We'll <laughs> never know. That being said, this was as close to an R-rated Marvel movie as you're going to get. And apparently there was an undercurrent online that thankfully I missed of people that were upset that this movie was so dark and graphic and violent. Yep. Um, I will say this, like, cause me and Matt were talking after he saw the movie text. He's like, did you just see it? He said, yeah. Cause I didn't want to spoil anything. He's like in the theater, he had kids crying in his, in his theater. And I'm like, I could see it. I uh-huh. didn't have any in mind, but I understand it. And we kind of got off the subject of things, and I think everything's been spoiled mostly about it. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that we're having more of a discussion about like the process and everything else of the film. Right, right. Um, but I enjoyed it. I liked it. Uh, um, you know, it's not. It, I'd say it's in like the lower third of the 28 Marvel films. Really? Okay. Let me. If I was this- to, so listing them all, you know what I mean? Like we've been here before, right? Right. Um. So, again, do I need to pull up a list of, like, every Marvel Cinematic movie? No, but I will say this. It's in my upper third. Really? Yep. Oh, I'm just throwing this number out there to say it's in the lower third. But, again, 28 movies, lower third, that's, like, bottom nine-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, let me... Can here. I find a comprehensive list somewhere so I can, like, kind of point at this, right? Right. And I'm just going to say this while you're looking. The 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 reason I, I liked it is because it starts and it doesn't stop. Whether or not you like that or not, I was never bored, and it's always there, and it didn't descend into like nuttiness in a in a weird way. You know what I'm trying to say? It was tragic. I felt bad for thing like this is way way up there. I'm wondering if I went in. All joking aside, I had a low bar because it was Sam Raimi for me. And like he like to me, he crushed it. Like absolutely crushed it. Okay. So uh didn't see Eternals, so immediately it's oh, it's above Eternals, right? I'm a, it's above for me. Uh Captain America First Avenger. Ooh. I really like Captain America First Avenger. I like all the Captain America movies, so Okay. Uh Captain Marvel. Um I put this above Captain Marvel, but not like way higher. I put this above Captain Marvel. I'm not even going to argue where, but it's above Captain Marvel. Okay. First Iron Man? No. Uh, First Iron Man's a perfect movie. Okay. First Iron Man's toward the top nine. Second Iron Man movie. I like this, this better than the second Iron Man movie. This is better than the second Iron Man movie. Uh, First Thor movie. Better. Okay. This is I'm better. Anytime I say better, this uh, right. Doctor Strange is better. Avengers. Ooh, uh, I think Avengers is a is a perfect movie. Also, Avengers is better. I'm with you. Iron Man three, but better. Uh, and again, I if I disagree, I'll I'll interrupt you. Uh, Thor: The Dark World, better. Just as a side note, so we go to see the movie. Um, so the, just the way that everything kind of worked together, like we were trying to figure out like when the hell were we going to see this movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to see it by myself on like a, a like a Monday. And while I'm gone to wrestling, you guys could maybe go see it on on Friday because everybody wanted to go see it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then my kid doesn't have scouts anymore. 
So as we're leaving the house on Thursday and my wife's like, oh, we don't have scouts tonight. I'm like, no scouts. We're going to see, we're going to see Dr. Strange tonight. And I'm like, dude, dude, dude. I go, we can go to the, we can go to the 630, the seven. And she goes, let's do the seven just so we're not cutting it close. So we went to go see it on the Thursday night just because like, I'm like, we got to go see it, you know? Did at odds get pushed back? At odds did get pushed back, yes. Oh, well, it's a worthy cause. Uh, so when we go to see the movie, they do like a little thing because uh, Thor, God and Thunder, or Love and Thunder, whatever, it's coming up next, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they do, it's like, hey, let's get you caught up on Thor because the new movie's coming out, right? Yeah. They don't even mention a lick of anything that happened in Thor The Dark World. Right, right. It's Avengers Thor, Thor 3. That's all you need to know. Yep. Uh, okay. Winter Soldier, no question. That's top tier. Yep. Uh, Guardians one and two. Okay. Um, th- can I can I do a push on anything? Okay. Uh, push on Guardians one. This this was better than Guardians two. I like Guardians one and two better than this. Okay. Uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Mm. I kind of like this better. I like this better as well. Uh, Ant-Man. This better. This better, but they're close. Mm-hmm. Uh, Civil War. Civil War is better. I agree. First Doctor Strange. This is better. This is better. Black Panther. This is better. Uh... Black Panther falls apart in the last act. I agree. Even though it has vi- vibranium rhinos. But anyway, yes. go ahead. Uh, Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming. Which one is that? Because I get all the, the different ones mixed up. Uh, that's, that's the one with uh, Mysterio. This is better. Oh, wait. No, wait. I'm sorry. Homecoming. Uh, Far From Home is the one. Uh, so this is the one. Uh, Homecoming is Vulture. This is better. Homecoming's better. Uh, Black Widow. This is better. I agree. Ragnarok. This is better. Like Ragnarok better. Uh, Ant Man Wasp. This is better. I agree. Infinity War. Infinity War was the first one because it was Endgame. Yep. Uh, and because of the two movies, Endgame, uh, Infinity War is better than Endgame. Uh, this is better. Uh, no, uh, in, uh, Infinity War is better. I'm sorry. Right. Endgame is better. Okay. It is, but it's only better because the scenes are better. It's a, it's a worse movie overall. But yes, Endgame is better. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, that's the one with Mysterio. Um, uh, Doctor Strange is better. I think Spider-Man's better. Uh, Shang-Chi? Oh, Doctor Strange is way better. A different movie, but better. Uh, 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 which one call it? Um, um, yeah, uh, Doctor Strange, like I said, better. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home? Doctor Strange is better. I think No Way Home is better. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, that you know what? No way home was better. That 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 was a that like Doctor Strange, and I know I should be going through these rapidly. That from beginning to end, it started. It never stopped. Yeah. So so so, so you see, like it's not like when I say it's in the bottom nine, it's like number nine and a half. 
half. Like it could very easily bump in. And I think the reason I have it like a little bit lower is because I'm going to put those three Spider-Man movies above it regardless. Okay. See, now are you saying the lower 28? No, there's 28 Marvel movies. Right. And you're saying it's, the lower third, not the, to- not the top third. Right. It's in the bottom third. Okay. See, I think it's, I still it's have probably it. like the top of the bottom third. Okay. But there's a very good chance, like, just going through this, if I actually was, like, writing everything down instead of just, like, throwing out whatever's, it's probably, like, the bottom of the middle third, you know? Right. It's somewhere in, like, right that, like, but that's the thing. Like, what's beating it? Winter Soldier, Civil War, the three Spider-Man movies, the ori- you know what I mean? The the original Avengers, like, the heavy hitters are, 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 are above it, but I think a lot of it is because this, I rank the Spider-Man movies higher. Um, I like... Um, uh, Thor, uh, Ragnarok better, and I like the Guardians of Galaxies better. Okay. I like it a lot. You know, um, this is my kind of movie. I like a horror movie. This is the this is gonna be my my gateway into getting my kid to watch Army of Darkness. You know, because mm-hmm. if he can handle Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, he can one hundred percent handle Army of Darkness. Yep. Um. So we're not gonna go through the rest of the movies, right? I think I hit everything. Did I miss I- something? I don't remember if you missed anything. That's why I was just throwing that out there. Um, but I will say, like, because now, you know, because we're not going to do the, the bits of the movie all the way through now because we're so far off the rails. But I will say when Doctor Strange fights the other Doctor Strange with the third eye and it's the music related yeah. fight, that was visu- visually stunning. And like to the ear and everything. And me and Matt were talking that remind me of the, uh, the harp fight in Kung Fu Hustle. I could see that, you know, that was just fantastic. And then because I have to mention it, it all wraps up really nice. I will say this too. Um, I liked America Chavez and I thought I wasn't going to, but it's only because usually when they have a character who's who they uh, totally say is a kid, usually is annoying, does not do anything logical. It's usually like a detriment to like whatever the, the, the protagonist is doing where I was like, I really like America Chavez. She's not doing anything to aggravate me. And she's like logical and everything. And she seemed much more mature than a kid. And I liked her story and I liked the way her powers work with the star wipe and everything was kind of cool, like uh, the star effect. So, yeah, I really like that. But I think the biggest part, and in the end I was uh, spoiled for, was the Illuminati. Yes. So I'll just touch real quick, if I could, on America Chavez. I'm uh-huh. shocked that we didn't get um, a bit at the end where her parents come to help save the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we didn't because let's save that for when she's on Young Avengers. Yes, fair enough. I'm with you. So now the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did get the tease of at least one of the people because of their voice yep. that we hear in that Super Bowl trailer, a unmistakable voice. But then there was the question of who the other members of the Illuminati are. I know who the Illuminati are in the comic books. Mm-hmm. Who is it going to be in the movie, right? Right. Uh, Tuesday, before I saw the movie, I saw someone just post an out-of-context clip on the internet. And it was, um, you know, it, what looked at first, because it was like a small thing, 
And I'm like, oh, is this out of a video game or something? Mm-hmm. And it was a green Cree suited Captain Marvel fighting alongside uh, Peggy Carter, Captain right. America. And then it took me like, it's one of those things like I see it, it's auto playing. My mind's trying to process it. Is this out of a video game? What is this? Oh no, this is out of the Doctor Strange movie. Exit out. Yep. So I'm like, okay, they're in the movie, but I don't know what incapacity. They are the two, I guess, new members of the Illuminati. See, I look at it this way of whatever Earth that is, that's their Illuminati. And then we can have an Illuminati, any Illuminati we want on any Earth. You know what I mean? Sure. But yes, I, that's part of theirs. Because this this was technically um, X-Men the Animated Series 90, 90s comic book, Professor X, because he had the big yellow chair. And he had the dear, 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 when he came out. Yeah. I was like, I pop, I popped for the for the uh, animated X-Men song and the yellow hover chair. But uh, they weren't spoiled for me, Captain Marvel, which is Photon Rambo from the Captain Marvel movies. And uh, I didn't know she was in the movie. I did see a still of Cap- of Captain Carter. Because the one that was ruined for me was, uh, I, for some reason it worked its way into my timeline, was a shot of Krasinski as Reed Richards. And I was, I can't curse here, we've done well for the show. Um, I was so mad, Joe. I was so mad. Uh, but it is what it is. And I saw the Captain Carter, but I kind of had a feeling she was in the movie because I, on the movie poster, which I saw there was a, that, her shield, the, the, the British shield. And I was like, eh whatever but to see him i'm like fantastic but i keep saying this to every person that i meet when we get him wherever he needs to be clean shaven so i'm gonna agree with you not for the reasons that you agree uh that you are saying that he should be clean shaven mm-hmm. um let's just say i have a feeling to put uh John Krasinski may have had assistance with his beard from the wig department at Legends of Tomorrow. What? Oh, come on. That beard looked a little suspect to me is all I'm saying. I think your eyes are suspect. Yeah, I think I saw the spirit gum sticking out from underneath it is all I'm saying. And I just want to say this. Did you happen to notice Black Bolt, Joe? I did notice Black Bolt. Do you know who played Black Bolt? Wasn't it the same guy who played Black Bolt in the... Uh, the hit um, IMAX movie TV show. Yes, it was. So I give him credit, man. Right. And you know what? I'm going to say this. I will give big ups to Sam Raimi that he made Black Bolt cool in a movie. Yeah. When he when she takes his mouth away and then he yells and the back of his head implodes. I was I was legit icked out, Joe. Yeah. Good stuff. And then when they snap Xavier's neck, I'm like, ugh. Yep. Uh, but and Wanda was a great villain. Yes, she was, and a tragic villain. When the kids end up turning against her, yeah. oh, you feel terrible for her. Yeah, they were right. They were right. They were right. And she ends up sacrificing herself to destroy the dark hold. Um, do you think she's gone for good? Do you think her contracts are out, if you know what I mean? No, no one's gone for good. Remember, remember when Natalie Portman was gone for good? Yep. And then she uh, ate a lot of food, and now she gets to be the star of the new movie? 
Right, right. Remember when Harrison Ford, who was one of the highest paid actors in the highest grossing movies ever, wasn't going to do another Star Wars after they killed him? And he made a cameo? Uh-huh. So, I get you. Remember get when you. Robert Downey Jr. said, I'm done with these movies, and, di- and then did three more plus cameos and others? Yeah, but he's done done now. Uh-huh. He's but I, I, I remember the first time that he said he was done. And then I remember the second time that he said he was done. And then the third time when he said he was done was when they just ran. They couldn't get the gold dump truck to his house. <laughs> right. So I don't know. I think we'll see. We'll see if she's done. Mm-hmm. But I did find it interesting, you know, whatever. And that that Doctor Strange ended up using the dark hole. So he has a third eye now. The 616 has a third eye now. And I guess Clea needs his help, Joe. Yes. That was uh, something cool that popped up. And I'm thinking to myself, and, like, she pops up, and I'm like, we're going with Clea? Like, every time that we get, like, these weird, obscure Marvel characters in the movies, mm-hmm. even though, we're like I said, we're 28 movies in, we've already, we're on our third Guardians of the Galaxy movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And any time, like, a new, obscure character pops up, it still shocks me. If if there was going to be one, though, I would have said it was her because the whole love story didn't work out because Rachel McAdams, the most memorable part of Doctor Strange 1, uh, got married off. So, like, who's his who's his comic book love interest was Clea. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that kind of interests me. And they go off. And then I also want to say the Living Tribunal made a cameo, so I, I popped for that. Um, and, uh, that's pretty much the end of the movie. There was no other end credit scenes that were worth talking about. Well, I was going to say, you talk about all these cameos, but there's the most important cameo of them all. Uh, Stan Lee or Dan Lee weren't in this movie. Well, I think we have a new person to replace Stan and or Dan Lee as our recurring cameo throughout the multiverses. And that would be Pizza Papa himself, Bruce Campbell. Can I say something? And I'm not ringing a bell. Go ahead. That's the worst part of the movie. Like, like, like Bruce Campbell, like that whole movie is perfect. And then Bruce Campbell does Bruce Campbell and whatever you guys are going to say about it. It's so like, he's so hackney. I don't know. I was just like, just get past, just get past Bruce. And then I was like, oh, I thought everything I had heard, they were like that second that second uh, post-credit scene is like, you almost don't need it. I'm like, oh, is it another trailer like they did in the last movie? And then I'm like, oh, it's Bruce Campbell doing his I'm beating myself up bit from the Evil Dead movies. I'm like, oh, thank God this movie's over now. I, so, uh, listen, Bruce Campbell is definitely an acquired taste, but it's a taste that I love very much. Um, is he a hammy actor? Absolutely. Um, but he's our hammy actor of all the, you know, people who enjoy his performances and stuff. Um, I did like that he got the payoff, of course, that he gets to be like, oh, it's over. And then, like, then the, the movie actually is over. I thought that was cute. Oh, sure. Yeah, great writing right there. <laughs> but at the very least, now he can stop pretending and lying and saying that he's in other movies playing actual real characters. Because mm-hmm. there was the time where, like, oh, he was teasing that he was going to be Reed Richards, and he was teasing he was going to be Mysterio, and he was teasing he was going to be this. Now he can't. You're right. Well, you never know. He could be anybody because th- there's been different people in the multiverse where they've been not the same person. 
You know what I mean? I assume he's just pizza pop in every universe. Okay, but you never know when they end up when they end up changing somebody uh, in the movie that they're not like this. Because look at it this way: Spider Man in the multiverse was three different actors, so he could be in another universe a character. Do you get mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say? Yeah, they don't always have to look like. The person they are, which is the way we could swap out actors. Now that Chris Evans is definitely done and never playing Captain America again. Until sure. he plays the human torch in one of the movies. Right. But yeah, so I don't know. I just I just didn't care. But he why doesn't he just go and lie like uh Charles Xavier? He's like, I'm not in the movie in any way, shape on every press junket, I'm not in the movie any way, shape, or form. Oh, I'm in the movie? Yeah, I had a lie. You weren't gonna believe me anyway. So I respect, I respect that kind of, you know, deceit, Joe. Mm-hmm. But fun movie. But like I said, I enjoyed it. And again, I don't want you to think that I'm selling it short. It's just that there's so many good Marvel movies. It's just, you know. Yep. And here we go. Like, uh, Sam Raimi made a second good movie. Simple plan in this. Mm-hmm. See, that's where you're wrong, and there's and I, no discussion even be had because he made just, all right. He made two great movies, uh, S- uh, Simple Plan in this, and he made an okay movie. That first Spider-Man movie is okay. That he did. First two Spider-Man movies are really good, and again, I'm I'm putting my you know there's I have no objectivity with this. Mm-hmm. Um, the first Evil Dead, you could take it or leave it, right. Uh, Evil Dead 2 is fantastic. Uh, Dark Man is fantastic. Army of Darkness is maybe in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Did you ever see The Quick and the Dead? Yeah, the one where light shines through a dead person. Yes, great movie. Okay. Uh, I like Quick and the Dead. Uh, a Simple Plan is fantastic. Um, I never saw For the Love of the Game. That was like his serious movie about like baseball or something. I never even knew he did that one. Okay. Um, The Gift. You ever see The Gift? No, I've gotten a few gifts in my life, but no. Todd, I think you should. Enjoy, I think you should go see The Gift. Now, are is, are you ringing a bell? No. Okay. Is it like some horror gore thing that you're just trying to get me to uh, watch? It's a okay. So it's a murder mystery. Um, there's a lady in town who everyone kind of like plays along that she's a psychic, but then she gets like real psychic powers. And because no one believes her that she's actually a psychic, she sees who done the murder. Mm -hmm. So now she has to like prove her visions are real. Okay. And the guy wants to kill her because she's kind of giving it away. Um, well, so that's the thing. Um, I don't want to give too much about the movie away, but I will just say that Keanu Reeves plays a drunken alcoholic racist in this movie. Ooh. Um, so again, uh, Katie Holmes is also in this movie. Is this the one where she gets a little, uh, little, little warm and has to take clothes off? Yeah, uh, it certainly is. Okay. Uh, Spider-Man two and one are really good. Spider-Man three that? is a movie that was made under duress. Okay, can I just say my opinion on Spider-Man 2? Yes. There are some great scenes in Spider-Man 2, but two things, and I and, and people are probably tired of hearing me say this, that know me. Two things is that train scene I'll never forgive. 
where he gets crucified on the front of the train with his mask off. And then all the people carry him like Christ out of the train. And nobody in all of like the train, these people of New York, take a picture of them with their cell phone. They're just like, ah, we're good. Um, and then the whole thing with Doc Ock, where he really he gives him his shoot name to to like disorient him. Like the whole movie, he's like, I can't tell Kirsten Dunst, Mary Jane, about my uh, my secret identity because if I tell her, she could get hurt, and I'm worried about her. But the first thing I can do is tell it right to my villain, my my arch rival here in the movie. I never liked that. I was like, it's so dumb, so uh- dumb. And the third movie is terrible. If they had just done it all like the jazz scene, I would have liked the movie more. So Spider-Man 2, I'm with you on the train scene, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little bit too much. And then it like just keeps going and going and going. It's a very like nicely shot scene, you Mm -hmm. know, Uh, even though we're supposed to believe that New York has an above ground railroad in it, whatever. Right. It does. But go ahead. Okay. Um, I wrote it in Brooklyn to see uh, Jack White. It does okay. go above ground for like a long time, but go ahead. Uh, but I, I, I get why you have your problems with Spider-Man 2. I have my similar problem with that scene, but it's not enough to bring the entirety of the movie down. Spider-Man 3, um, of the problems with Spider-Man 3, the hipster jazz dancing sequence... Does it even make my top ten of problems with the movie? Because mm. that's Him, actually like fun. I like I like Spider Man being okay with Sandman who murdered his his uncle. Yeah, um, I, I will say though, visually, yeah. Sandman being created is one of the greatest scenes in comic book movies. Yeah, where he keeps like flopping down and he keeps like breaking off and everything. Great scene. Uh, so Drag Me to Hell, you wouldn't like because that's more of a straight, but it's a mainstream horror movie. Sam gets away with a lot of stuff in a mainstream horror movie, which is pretty cool. Uh, I never saw his Oz, The Great and Powerful. Right. Uh, just because that came out at a time where I had a small baby and I couldn't make these sacrifices to just like watch a movie whenever I wanted to. I got you. And uh, yeah, so like I said, if I'm looking at his movies... And Crime Wave gets a push. That was one of the older movies. That was kind of like a low budget, whatever. Um, but I would say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten great movies. And of those ten great movies, like three of them are like exceptionally great. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, so you ain't got a leg to stand on when it comes to uh, whatever critiques you have of Sam Raimi. The proof is in the pudding, my friend. Right, right. Man, I don't like Sam Raimi. His main, his other movies, but Doctor Doctor Strange 2, uh, Multiverse of Madness, is his best film ever made. Mm. Go watch The Gift and we'll come back and talk. Okay, he might have a third good movie. Okay. All right, so... Uh, that was not the discussion I was expecting us to have, but it was a fun discussion nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week will be a short show because there is no TV and there is no movies. Right. Yeah. It's uh, going to be a little bit like that. We don't got anything until another, what, two weeks? Or we got a week off, two weeks off until Obi-Wan, right? Right. And I wasn't, I think we've discussed this and I always forget. I wasn't 100% sure if you were into 
Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, for the show. Like, you probably right. watch it, but... Yeah, but we'll, you know, we talked about, like, Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Like, why wouldn't we? Right. Unless we're both like, nah. Yeah, yeah unless after, the first episode stinks out loud. Or a couple episodes where we're like, mm, no, you know, we'll see. Right. All right. Well, everyone, thank you very much for bearing with us. A lot to cover this week, but I think it was worth it. Episode 605, Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying, catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.